0: I'm Michelle Olivier, and you're listening to Hey, I Want Your Job, the podcast that looks at amazing jobs and what it takes to get them. Hi, welcome to Hey, I Want Your Job. Today, we have Dawn Sizer with us, and she's going to talk to us about um, life and technology, running her own company, and maybe even the joys of being a podcaster on top of all of those things, because she has so much free time, is what I can tell. Um, Dawn, thank you so much for joining me today. Uh, So we'll start with the easy, easy part. What is your job title?
1: Well, first, thank you for having me. But my official job title is CEO. Um, mm-hmm. On top of that, I know it sounds so it sounds so much more exciting than it really is.
0: It's a very sexy title. I'm not going to lie. Like. Yeah,
1: it's, it's, it's one of those where you think it's sexy. It's kind of like bathing suit season. You're like, that looks so good on the rack. And you pull it on. And you're like, what was I thinking? This sucks. <laughs> and being a CEO is kind of like that because you wear every single hat in the company all day long. So you're like, okay, I'm doing this thing. I'll put this hat on. Okay, now I'm doing this thing. So I'm going to exchange you. So you sit there and you exchange hats all day, every day. So whether I'm being a network engineer or whether I'm being the HR person or whether I'm being the, I have to run one of our fleet vehicles out to the garage. (laughs) Like you never know what you're going to do through the day as a CEO because who else is going to do it, right?
0: There you go. The the buck literally stops with you. So yeah, absolutely. So that also answers the next question about what do you actually do? The answer is everything. But if you were going to narrow it down a little bit, typical day ending and why. most of my executive clients, if you kind of put their feet to the fire, they would admit that most of their day is Zoom calls and spreadsheets.
1: It is a lot of Zoom calls and spreadsheets, but at the end of the day, and what everybody here has defined my position as being is that I set the direction and the tone, and I am the face of the company. Mm -hmm. So, whatever it takes to make that a reality is what I actually do. So, we sit down and we'll do like all the strategic planning that's on my shoulders, and you know, the operations, which actually somebody else handles, but They take direction from me. So the strategic plan, that's all me. The vision of the company, that's all me. To make sure that we hit what our mission actually is, knowing what our mission statement is, living that mission statement, but also the company culture. It starts with your CEO and it's got to start there. And you're the one that kind of embodies it for everybody else. So yes, do I do spreadsheets? Absolutely. Am I on a lot of Zoom calls? Sure. But there's all of the other stuff that goes along with it too.
0: You know, I love that you said Exactly what you did, because when I work with um, executive clients and we're doing like the resumes and that sort of thing, one of the things we try to explain is that as an executive, we don't really care about hard skills anymore. Like we're you're past that in your career because you're not an individual contributor. So instead, what companies want to know is what contributions are you going to make to corporate culture? and what kind of strategic initiatives have you led and and how do you approach business strategy? And trying to encapsulate those things in a document, very complicated. Um, We often get execs that are like, you wanna charge how much? I'm like, I don't feel like you understand how much psychology is about to go in to this writing process for you. But I, it really it makes me feel so much better to hear from a CEO that like, yes, those are exactly the things, you know, that I do on the daily. And it's hard to quantify. And it's really hard to explain to somebody else what those look like.
1: It is. And it, I was just having this conversation with somebody last evening, and we were talking about like key performance indicators. What are your KPIs? And he's like, not everybody thinks about those. And they're like, Well, I don't even know where to start thinking about what those actually are. But as a executive or a CEO or just as a leader itself, your KPIs, imagine yourself out on a desert island, right? And you're having this fantastic vacation and you need to call into the office to figure out what's going on. And the the couple of questions that you would ask to get the information that you would need, those are actually your KPIs. I think that's a good way.
0: Yeah, it's a good way of looking at that.
1: Yeah. It's the easiest way that we have figured out. Cause like we were trying to figure those out too, when we were going down through that, like, how do I figure out what those are? And when you are writing that resume, when you talk about, you know, what strategic things have you, have you, you know, either led or, or done or whatever the case is, you go back to those KPIs and you think, well, what did I do in those particular things? And if you aren't sure what those are, go back to your desert Island, figure out what you would call the office for. And if the- things that aren't going quite the way that you should and you have to leave the desert office, those are the ones that are the most important.
0: So as a CEO, what do you, so you're having conversations about what are my KPIs, et cetera. So that innately implies as an HR person that you're interested in your own performance. So what do you do if you feel that you're underperforming as a CEO? How do you handle that? What is your adjustment
1: How does it work? I I hope someone will fire me. You know, I hope that every day, maybe somebody really just wants my job and they can fire me. Um, but no, I mean, I look at it from the standpoint of the people that hire and fire me are my clients. So my, my best key performance indicator for me are like, we have a ticketing system and for every ticket that gets closed, a, um, Basically, a survey goes out to the person that created the ticket This is, hey, how did we do? Did you like this particular thing? How was it handled? Was it fast enough? Was it this? It, all the important KPIs that we care about on that particular ticket, right? And there's also that little option of, is there anything else that we need to know? So I look at every single one of those. And the KPIs for me are, is my staff functioning properly? Are they doing things in a timely manner? Are they liking my staff that they're working with? And if there's anything else that I need to know there, I mean, for me running the company, I need to know that all the time. And that's my KPI meter per se for how am I doing? How am I leading my staff? Because of my culture, my mission, how I'm leading, that's gonna follow through in every single touch that goes through to my client.
0: And I think that that's so important, that
1: you know the the culture that we create, the work culture we create,
0: absolutely impacts all the way down and i think that that self awareness is so important in leadership and um, when you no none of us are good at everything i certainly have a long list of things that i suck at uh, and so we, we all do <laughs> so when you and and we all have ways that we're always trying to get better either at those things or sometimes I will admit there are things on that list that I have just given up on and decided I will never be good at that thing and that that's okay to not be good at that and I instead focus my energy on being better at at even better at things that I'm already good at how do you how do you upskill how do you what do you do to keep your skills and performance getting better all the time
1: well, I mean, one thing is pure interaction. I mean, learning right. from other people at the same level that you are is really important. Um, I just had somebody uh, contact me the other day, and it was somebody that I kind of actually look up to a little bit. And she said, would you be my mentor? And I'm like, one, I'm kind of humbled. And like, are you insane? Because I literally try to drown myself at least twice a week while I'm trying to drink water. I mean, like... <laughs> Met I, me? <laughs> I, I, at, in my mid 40s, I still like haven't figured out how to not breathe and drink at the same time. So <laughs> like, remember that things like things we suck at? That's one of them. Um, but it was it was one of those things that I think that as a as an executive level person, having somebody that you can mentor, I think teaches you a lot actually too. So there's a little bit of that. There's always some continuing education that you should have going on for yourself. I don't care if it's a training class. I don't care if it's a class that you're taking, or maybe it's a book that you're reading, or it's you know websites that you're reading. Whatever the case is, always keep learning however it is that you learn best.
0: I want to pick up. that little bit because obviously as a ceo you have a lot of say in who gets hired and does not get hired and you said ways that you learn best my husband is english and he and i have this ongoing argument about american education versus british education obviously i feel that ours is the superior model i am in no way biased in this opinion clearly it's just factual Uh, but his argument in favor of british education is that their university model is very very focused on what you are learning so whereas here everybody takes history 101 that is not the case in the uk system like if you were there to study computers you learn computers and for him, what he says is that if he had been subjected to the American model and had to take English and History 101, he's like, I don't know that I would have gotten a degree. He's, because all of that sounds awful. <laughs> so everybody does learn differently. And I think that we're at this sort of inflection point in culturally where we, we see that the younger generation is increasingly rejecting traditional higher education um, and not wanting to go to universities, choosing instead more trade schools, that sort of thing. What is your take on the relative value of all of those? Do you see all of those as equal? Do you see
1: them as just different for different purposes? What you thought? That is a huge question, and i, yes. I was trying to figure out, like, where to start. So uh, let me start with the first thing that you said, and, and let's go back to your husband, and the British system is obviously better, and from the from the American system. And what's what's true, I think, outside of the United States is most other countries start their kids earlier than we do. Um, So like the British, they start them a year earlier than we do. They educate them differently through grammar school and through what their high school is and things like that. And that's kind of, you're right, that's where they stop learning all the extraneous things at the end of high school there. And I think there's something to be said for that my journey personally uh to give you kind of an idea i mean i went to school for naval architectural engineering that's what i went to college for and it was not where i needed to be so i ended up doing a couple years of that and said you know what this is stupid um (laughs) and, and switched you know majors and things like that and quit because it wasn't where i needed to be at that time in my life went into the it industry and of course this is like the mid 90s at this point which is like the huge up and coming of what's going on in the it world so i've gotten to see everything from like that baseline from where it started up until now and i actually went back geez seven years ago i think now Got my bachelor's in IT, got my master's in IT, and I'm sitting in that precipice of like, should I get my PhD? Should I not get my PhD? And I think they, the consensus from like everybody and myself is no. I really have no desire to write more papers at this point. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> I'm, I'm so done. I was so done by the end of the like. I was angry every single time I had to write another paper for my master. So like as an adult, I think that there's something to be said for that. Also, on my personal journey, my son just graduated from high school, and he was planning on going to college and. I don't know if the rest of you realize this, but we're in the middle of a global pandemic. And I know, right? (laughs) So (laughs) and he decided that maybe getting a job for a little while and being out in the workforce and kind of figuring things out for himself was the way to go. And then if he decided to go, maybe doing either a trade school or that like two year local university kind of yeah. thing or community college, whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. doing that was really where he wanted to be. And I think, like you said, everybody does learn differently. I think there are things out there for everybody. It's just a matter of figuring out, one, how you learn. Are you yeah. a visual learner? Are you a kinetic learner? Or do you learn, you know, auditory? You know, what's what's best for you? And then matching that to a type of college or trade school or class or you know, whatever the situation is, or maybe all you really need are a couple of certifications and you can just go get a job. And if that's the case, by all means do that.
0: I think that that's a great point, that traditional educational models have kind of told us that smart always looks like a particular type of informational processor. So smart people are the ones who do well at prestigious universities and prestigious universities teach with words and books. So either written words or spoken words, but way less of a kinetic go and do and be a part of. And I think that um, that that's really, I think that's a really good point that you don't, that we are now in this place where we're recognizing that actually that's just a particular flavor of smart. It's also a particularly privileged way of dealing with everything um and that it doesn't work for most people and i think that it doesn't necessarily work for the realities of the working world and i think that personally i think that you know as the one of the things my husband and i have talked about as well he also works in the it sector is that by the time you finish by the time curriculum is created for your four-year degree and then you finish your four-year degree that is no longer relevant to the marketplace
1: it's no nowhere even close and usually even when you start it's so far behind i mean even certifications are usually a little bit behind yeah and those You're are like you know six eight quick. years
0: ago and everybody's like who cares <laughs> right so so what i mean um advice not just for your own kid but like in general like what if they were gonna go if somebody was gonna say you know what i'm not gonna do a traditional degree i am just uh, I, may, I am going to get some certifications because Dawn told me that was a great idea. Which certifications would you recommend for somebody who who wanted to break into the IT sector? Which ones so, count? Which ones are are, are not great?
1: There's, there's a ton of, they all count. You know, it's just a matter of like, which ones do you want to get started at? And what's the price point that you're comfortable spending? So there's a fantastic group out there called CompTIA. And okay. they have some really great, what I would consider baseline, um, things that you really should have to kind of get into the IT world. So, like A plus, network plus, security plus. Every single IT provider on the planet is going to look for those.
0: Really, that yeah. is so interesting because that is we see those a lot when we're writing resumes for folks. And as a recruiter, I hadn't I had they hadn't come across my radar in the recruitment world you mostly hear we want somebody with the degree we want somebody with such and so and so i wasn't really sure where that was going to fall in terms of a, a saleable thing and i get asked it a lot by candidates so that is really great for me to hear from uh the target demographic
1: that's the first thing and it, it's nice that people have a degree that tells me that one they're willing to stick with something for a while they're able to communicate properly. They're able to write a paper, you know, that kind of thing. That's what a degree tells an employer. Yeah. And of course, where you went to school, which, you know, maybe how much debt you're in, you know, that kind yeah. of thing. It That's kind of what it, it's going to tell an employer. But those certifications, especially for the IT industry, because they're not product specific and they're not company specific, they're just a baseline that tells us kind of what you know. because me as the employer I have those exact same certifications so I know what you should know at that point
0: okay so that that is really easy so I have already learned uh, important point so thank you and yes. um, so in terms of looking at people getting into the IT market I don't know if you notice this but um women are not as prevalent In IT as men. And again, I don't want to shock you, Don.
1: but I know uh, it's it's funny (laughs) when I walk into a room and I look around and I start thinking, wow, one of these things is not like the others. And it's me.
0: (laughs) So I, I guess, first of all, tell me a little bit about your personal journey. Has that. Do you get raised eyebrows? Do you get treated differently? Do you find that it's a curiosity, but nothing more? What is your experience?
1: So it's really funny in that, again, going back to that like 1995 era, um, long, long ago in a galaxy far, far away, uh, being in the, the engineering uh, degree field kind of thing when I was in college, a lot of what was going on was like, I would need a um maybe a drawing done or or whatever the case might be and i would go down to be able to print out this drawing and the plotter didn't work so i learned how to fix it you know that kind of thing so that's how that's how all of this got started so that's actually how i got into the it thing like i'm a self-rescue and i figured well if it's broken i'll just learn how to fix it so there you have it anywho that said i mean the next thing was well who said that you should do that you know or you know, why do you think you should go into IT? And I got some raised eyebrows at the very beginning of it. Like, it's a whole lot of like, you don't belong here. And you could definitely tell that was how, you know, people were treating it. And I had some of that through my career in general, or, you know, women really don't belong here. And, you know, maybe you should stick to training and teaching, and maybe you should do this kind of thing. And, okay, I I can do that. I like doing that. It's kind of fun. But I'm a network engineer. You know, that kind of that's really a yeah. you know, that's have you really considered what I shared L and D. I really feel yeah,
0: like right. maybe your strength is in IT recruitment, Dawn. Maybe right. That's
1: yeah. have you thought about marketing? Like mm. no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Definitely no. Um, but I still I was and I've told the story a couple of times. I was out at a conference not too often long ago, and the conference that this happened at, um, this is all like C-level people. So these are these are CEOs, these are COOs, you know, that kind of thing, really high-level staff. And I was on a panel, and we were talking about, you know, recruitment and things like that, and a uh, guy came up to me after the fact. It was that, you know, he probably had one too many drinks would be my guess, but um it was after the fact he's and said, you know, I saw you today on the panel. He's like, You don't belong here. I'm like, <gasps> <laughs> Oh my <like>, gosh, <laughs> like well, that's just like your opinion, man. And it's really not a good one. So <laughs> whatever.
0: Wow. That is so brazen, even after a couple. Oh my gosh.
1: Yeah. So nice. I don't know. And it was it was one of those deals where yes, it was a guy. They were of a, a very different demographic than me, a very different um, skin color, a very, there was very many differences. So I don't know what, what caused that. I don't know if it was the alcohol. I don't know if it was, sure. uh, it could have been any number of things and I don't want to point it in any direction. And yeah, I was, yeah, yeah. was like, wow, that was, <laughs> you know, the same kind of reaction. Like, and what do you do in the moment when that happens? Cause I mean, my response was, that's your opinion.
0: Yeah, I, I, I think that's as good as mine would have had a lot more expletives. Uh, so well done.
1: Well, uh, <laughs> the of it is, is this I, was I all happening. pressure. So. Well, and this was all happening right as COVID was starting to kick off, and tensions were a little high, and things like that. And I, had, I was in the room with a couple of friends, and of course, it was it was loud because there was a lot of people there, and the last thing I wanted to do was make a stink about it because other people would have came in very quickly and made it a thing and it didn't need to be made a thing in in this particular situation. But I think a lot of it too, when, when women are in a position of power or in a position where they are maybe one of the smarter people in the room, it does have a tendency to make some people uncomfortable and that's okay. Sometimes that little bit of friction or that little bit of uncomfortableness get Somebody to grow and step out of where they need to be, and that's that's a good thing. This probably not so much of a good thing, but you know, in this case, it's just you have to realize that that may be a possibility and figure out how you're going to deal with it and move on.
0: I so I have not been
1: in the C suite, but I have been director level, multiple
0: um organizations, and consistently in that capacity, I have had the you know, Michelle, you're, you're really very competent, but you're not as likable as we had expected. And I'm like, dude, I am not here to be your friend. <laughs> My likability is of zero interest. to Right. Be in this like voice. I'm not
1: your buddy, pal. <laughs> yeah. Like,
0: I mean, should, couldn't you work on being, you know, nicer? Like Chat with people, maybe make a cake. I'm like, are you kidding me? It's the 21st century, and you're telling me to put on my Betty Crocker hat and then come and play nice. Because oh yeah. So that that absolutely meshes with my experience. And I know I have not gracefully responded in any of those situations, which is probably why I now work for myself.
1: In small it, yeah, question. and I, th- I think some of it too. And I think a lot of people really get the wrong idea that, you know, IT is just filled with a bunch of guys and it's a big boys club and and things like that. And the truth of the matter is, is as long as you're competent, 99.9% of the people that are there, they'll hear you speak and they'll be like, oh, you're one of us. And that's the end of it.
0: Well, you know, it's interesting you say that. So one of the, I've worked with some um, hiring managers in IT about interviewing for women. So I've worked with some clients that are specifically trying to deal with the fact that they have nothing but men Mm -hmm. (laughs) on their staff. And especially for like senior level consultancy roles, one of the things that they need is somebody who is going to be strong and direct and be able to give pushback. Etc., and they kept running. And they're like, you know, none of these women candidates can do that. And I was like, I just need you to take a beat, because everything in these women's lives professionally has told them not to do that,
1: right, with their male colleagues and then don't make accident. waves because you don't want to get yourself into trouble. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. And now you've got them in a high pressure interview situation for a job that they ostensibly want or they wouldn't be there. And you expect that in, you know, 30 seconds or less they're going to turn on a dime and suddenly be this other person. That's not a realistic expectation. So if you want women to demonstrate those skills you have to create a scenario and an environment that fosters that from them including in the interview itself and it was like they all looked at me Don, like i had nine heads and that i had just said to them something so overwhelmingly earth-shattering like oh my god how could we be the problem and these are not you know horrible men these are guys who are trying they're you know but at the same time you 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 have to remember the the greater context of what you're doing right and i think that is just so hard i would think that it would be easier for women with a female interviewing that it's it's a little bit safer though i will say i have had negative experiences with women managers as well um but um what do you think in a hiring world managers should be doing if they want to get the best out of female applicants and give them that space to show them that they're the smart person in the room and that they are the capable one and and see, let them shine
1: i mean lead with culture i mean that's the i mean that sounds so trite but it's the truth i mean if that is what your company culture is and that you want to foster that you need to start there so make sure that everybody in your organization embraces that idea and ideal because it's not just the idea it's got to be the ideal and push it forward and it's got to come through in that interview like we have a little bit of everybody here we i actually have two women on staff now i'm one of them Um, but we have somebody that has autism here we have somebody that has adhd here we have we have diversity we have inclusion here and we lead with that it's okay to be different. It's okay to be a female. It's okay to be who you are. So, changing a little bit,
0: piggybacking off of that, um, as we record this, um, our country is in a unique spot, um, historically. <laughs> yes. Um, it, it's been a long couple weeks, Dawn. <laughs> um, We're right at the beginning of January and Trump's just been impeached for the second time. Um, We had riots in the Capitol. They're expecting more riots going forward. There's a lot of talk right now about the fact that employees are having a hard time focusing. The whole country is having a hard time focusing on anything between pandemics and threats of violence and everything else. It's insane as a company that culturally embraces, you know, differences and different needs and all of that w- what are you doing to support your your employees through this and and what what feedback have you had from your employees about what they
1: want I mean is it appropriate to say we're just plying them with alcohol I mean <laughs> 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 it's it's terrible but I mean to be fair you're I think the line and you're just the yeah nice. Like, at the end of the day, like, we've just had it.
0: <laughs> day being, you know, noon seems like a good end of the day. Yeah,
1: totally fine. We're just, we've sunk into day drinking now. No, I mean, it's not that bad. It, but it is, I think, some of it, you have to, again, leading with culture, you have to tell people that, you know, we're in the same boat here. We're all in this together. This all sucks. We understand that. And I think you have to be open, honest, transparent, and be there for your staff too. I mean, like, again, coming back to the alcohol thing, you're kind of like the bartender at this point, (laughs) whether, (laughs) whether you're a boss, whether you're, you know, a manager, whether you have, you know, the C-level people, I mean, anybody that is in your direct Area around you, or even a peer, I mean, you're going to hear how they're feeling, what they're doing, and you should be kind of like reaching out to, like, hey, I haven't heard from you for a little while. How are you doing? What's going on? Is there anything I can do? Um, I, I was just chatting with somebody the other day, and he was saying, you know, one of the best things that bosses, managers, whatever the case might be, if you're in that work from home scenario, can do is actually have office hours for your staff to come to you. And I was like, that's freaking brilliant. Why did I not think of this before? <laughs> like, but it I mean, it, it, it worked for college. Why wouldn't it work in this situation too? Yeah. I mean, it's really kind of nice. You know, Tuesdays and Thursdays, I have this hour set aside. If you need anything or I'll reach out to you or whatever the case might be, that's the time when you can like, you know, come and and talk and it doesn't have to necessarily be about work, but a lot of people aren't getting the support that they normally would have gotten because they're not right directly around the people that they normally work with. And it's very difficult to pop into somebody's office with your cup of coffee when you're working from home and say, hey, this is what I'm working on. How do you feel about this? Am I going about this wrong? I mean, how do you do that from Teams or from Zoom or, you know,
0: I mean, Slack would tell you that they have the answer, obviously. But I mean Obvious.
1: Yeah. But it's (laughs) it's not quite the same. You know, we use Teams all day, every day. And it it's not. I mean, it's great when somebody asks a question. I'm like, you know what, just start a meeting and you know, we'll we'll chit chat that back and forth. But to be able to, you know, hop over to somebody's office like we would normally do with our, you know, stand there with our coffee or our water or whatever it is and, and just chit chat for those couple of minutes, it's that and sometimes it's just that moment or two between that transition time period between a project that we're working on or the next, you know, doc spreadsheet that we're opening up and and dealing with or whatever the case might be. Sometimes you just need that downtime and that personal connection with somebody that you're not getting at home. I totally agree. And I think, you know, so it's really
0: interesting. Sherm just released a, um, in their newsletter earlier this week, a, for pro and con thing about working from home and will we go back to offices? Both of them authoritatively presented evidence that said, one said that working from home is far less efficient and the other (laughs) presented one that had evidence that is far more efficient. Um, Both of them, one of them said, people hate it. The other one said, no, no, no. Overwhelmingly, people love it. So obviously the answer is we have bad data, right? That we have two experts who have information and studies that say diametrically opposed things about it. But I think that what everybody can agree is that we don't build those social connections as strongly when we're working remotely. We don't have that water cooler talk. We don't have the Monday morning first hour of the day where nobody achieves anything except walking around from office to office saying, what did you do at the weekend? <laughs> you know, with a cup of coffee going, Oh God, how can it be Monday already? <laughs> so we don't have those moments and that's where you build that culture. You build that buy-in. And so what, what are you doing with the, with your company? Like there's no great answer, but what have what have you tried so far? What's worked uh, to try to, to recapture a little bit of that magic?
1: So right at this moment, we are in a weird hybrid situation where I literally just came back off quarantine. Um, I have a couple of my staff out on quarantine and we are, a couple of us are in the office through the, like I'm in the office today, Um, we're allowed to work from home because, you know, IT, we can work pretty much from anywhere, which is nice um, as far as that goes, but whether they're in the office or at home, everybody has found that they prefer to be in the office
0: which is weird
1: mm-hmm. because when we first went home back in like March last year, we cleared out of the office for like three months. And when we, the first couple of days we came back, we got nothing accomplished at all. Cause we were all like, I missed you. <laughs> <laughs>
0: people faces not my children or dog
1: Yeah. right right well it's really funny with us is that our dog does come to the office so he's actually pretty much one of the employees here and he gets so excited to see everybody and it's really kind of funny a couple of guys have called me the last couple of days when as we were out and stuff because of course the dog was home with us and they're like can i just can i see the dog <laughs> like yeah
0: can you bring the dog to the office and you guys continue to quarantine? We'll just take the dog.
1: We'll just take the dog. Yeah. Exactly. Go. All right. Whatever.
0: <laughs> it's nice to know where you rank and your employees. I, I know. Hearts just blow right? your dog. Just blow the dog. <laughs> hey, you know, at least they've got some buy in that way. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I think, you know, I think that that's It's really interesting. We've been talking to most of my guests about like where do they think all of this is going? And I think that most people agree that. It's going to have to be some kind of a hybrid. That we'll get to the point where we we're all hate each other's faces again, and we'll be like, I just want to work from home in my pajamas. Why am I wearing pants? Um, but I, I think it's going to take a minute. You know, I think we're all going to be really excited to to see and and touch and hug and have lunch together, and you know, get annoyed at the smell of each other's lunches being microwaved and and all of that kind of stuff. I think. Um, it's interesting how much we collectively have missed each other in a, a work situation.
1: It is. It's really funny. And I was actually out on a client site today earlier. It was like one of those strange kind of things. I don't usually go out and do work, but with a couple of my guys out, I had to. So it was one of those, like, I was on site, I was in, you know, like the little spot where we have one of my client sites and like, as people were passing in the hallway, where they're like, "Oh, I haven't seen you in forever." <laughs> it was like, "Okay, but like, I'm working." <laughs> <close>. <laughs> I know it was that was is exactly that kind of thing. Like, I'm really glad to see you. I'm glad that your family's doing okay. I'm glad that your extended family's doing okay. <laughs> like, it's been great chatting with you. <laughs> still
0: have a job that is yeah. still not talking to you.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it it was it was really kind of nice though that a lot of them did it. I think it like like it spread like wildfire and then like all of a sudden everybody was there and it was like, So hey <laughs>
0: <laughs> Well it has to make you feel a little bit like a celebrity at the same time, you know, like you It
1: kind of does, only it's a little bit disturbing. Like I am not that exciting. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I say revel in it, you know, while it lasts, Dawn. While it
1: lasts, it know, take your five minutes and, and enjoy it, right?
0: Absolutely, absolutely. Start offering autographs, you know, pose for selfies, that kind of thing. I think, you know, go with it. Just yeah. ride the wave. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Next time I go inside, I totally am.
0: There you go, there you go. I think
1: you have to have like paparazzi
0: shades on though. Like I think that's, that's definitely part of it.
1: I totally have them. There, there we go. go.
0: Fantastic, fantasy. Yeah. You're you're already prepared. You are I'm, a step ahead.
1: I'm, I'm totally prepared. There you go.
0: <laughs> and, well, we are um, out of time, and I, which is a shame, because I could ask you a thousand more questions. This has been really fascinating. Is there any other things that you want to talk about or mention before we go?
1: Yeah, let's let's do a couple of things here. One. Okay. We're totally going to continue this conversation because I'm going to have you on my podcast. Okay. <laughs> so the Rebel Executives will be having you there and we'll we'll kind of continue this conversation. We'll have a little bit more about talent and um, acquisition and things like that and, and we'll, we'll chat. So that'll be fantastic as far as that goes. But the other thing I think with, with IT itself and not having a lot of women in IT, I think it's very important that we start talking to our kids early about some of the the options that they have available to them. So many girls are like, oh, I want to be a teacher. I want to be a nurse. I want to be that helper type mm-hmm. of profession. And that's fantastic. But I think a lot of people don't understand is that IT really truly is a helper profession. It's what we do all day, every day, is help people get over the problem, issue, concern that they have with the technology. Yeah. And it's so much more a communication kind of thing than it is a, sit in your mom's basement and fix something kind of thing.
0: <laughs> basement <laughs> so. living, totally optional in IT.
1: It is totally uh, optional, exactly.
0: But I think that's a great point. And I had, I uh, obviously been in HR for a very long time. Um, and so I've had the opportunity to work with people who want to break into HR. And the, uh, inevitably I hear, I really want to work in HR because I'm a people person. I'm like, oh then this is not the place for you.
1: No, you need to go work we customer are, service. That'll cure you of that problem right away. <laughs> if you're a people person, IT support is a great choice.
0: IT consult, consultation, fantastic. HR, no. Like, I think that's one of the biggest misconceptions. Like, we are the biggest misanthropes in the whole world. <laughs> like, not that we really hate people, but like, we, you know we don't get to talk to people because we have confidential information and we have a different perspective. So if you're hoping that a career in HR is going to let you be chatty and walk in and and be the big paparazzi star, HR is not for you, but it sounds like it absolutely is. So.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. From, from the, the customer service standpoint of it, the help desk kind of thing. Oh yeah, absolutely.
0: But I think you're right that like, there's something about reframing the narrative about what, the roles are is that for some reason, technology gets put into with the hard sciences where it's it you know, ones, zeros, and zeros and numbers and soldering irons. And it has almost nothing to do with that in a modern context. I mean, and that's true. That I, I think, need to tell you that. But I mean, no, we we but, to tell society that
1: And anybody that's really good with puzzles, like if when you start down, like I need to figure this thing out. Like, I, yeah. I will not rest until I figure this thing out. IT is for you. Yeah. But it's like the hallmark of like the perfect IT person that the I've found a problem and I'm not going to let it go till I solve it. You're perfect for IT.
0: Or if you're the kind of person that somebody comes to you and says, oh my God, I have this huge problem and I have no idea what to do about it. If you get excited about going out and finding them the right solution for that, oh, that's IT all day long. like that's, Yeah, that's and
1: that. if you can compartmentalize how you go about that and do it very methodically. Yeah.
0: I wonder if it's that methodical thinking that is why it tends to get lumped in with, like, the harder sciences.
1: I- I'm sure it is because you're still following the scientific method of solving the problem. Yeah, I think it started in
0: the hard sciences because, of, you know, the programming languages having a basis in mathematics, and I think it just, like, never quite broke out of there. But... I would love to see it more in like a business context, a marketing context. I think you're starting to see some of those courses, like you see SEO marketing courses and that sort of thing, but there definitely needs to be a, a pretty major rebranding of all of it. It's too bad you're not a marketing girl
1: because no, I, mean, I, I feel think like, like you've
0: got an idea here,
1: Don. No, that's like black magic them. as far as I'm concerned. <laughs>
0: Decide, see, it's in that list of things that you're not great at and you own right. it, so like, well done. <laughs> it's important to have that section over there, so fantastic. Um, yeah, so I, I, I think that between the two of us, obviously, we can fix all of the world's woes for uh, yeah, most of these things. obviously. 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 Not just because we seem to largely agree on things, but, um, you know... We're also just two smart women. So I, I'm excited to be on your podcast and finish putting the world to rights. I think that'll be great.
1: Or <laughs> destroying it. I'm not sure which.
0: Sometimes things have to burn before they can be rebuilt, Dawn. This is true. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I you can't make an omelet without breaking a few eggs. That's all I'm gonna say. <laughs> And so thank you so much for your time. There will be links to Dawn's fantastic podcast um, in the show notes and as well as her company. And you can find out more about her personally on LinkedIn, et cetera. And thank you to everybody for listening today. And Dawn, thanks again for, for joining me. I really appreciate it.
1: Oh, yeah. It was my pleasure. Thank you for having me. No worries. Thanks.
0: You've been listening to Hey, I Want Your Job. For more on how you can get your own awesome job, visit ONH Consulting at www.onhconsulting.com. We offer incredible resumes, no nonsense career advice, and real world tips for landing a job in today's market. Check us out on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram for more insider info. Soon, you'll be hearing us say, "I'm Morgan McBride and I want your job," and "I'm Lydia Lunning and I want your job." And I'm Michelle Olivier, and hey, I want your job.